welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good. Uh, I don't know. I'm, it's earlier. Uh, evening. Hello, evening. It's evening. <laughs> it's evening still. It is still yeah. evening. <laughs> Try welcome again. to Moralia. Morelia Python Radio tonight. We're talking with Casper, we think. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of technical difficulties. We can hear him. He's whistling very good. He uh, whistles in tune. Uh, He has good pitch. Um, But uh, he can't hear us, which may be a good thing for him. So maybe he'd just talk all night. We'll just type in some questions via Facebook, and he can just answer them. I don't know, but we'll try to figure it out. But uh, we'll get him going in a couple minutes. What's up with you, Owen? How you been? Uh, I've been good. I've just been trying to, you know, get everything rolling in the right direction when it comes to uh, the breeding season, getting the pairs finally marked up, lined up where I want to go, uh, and then getting everybody set up. And I actually moved the Collier Bridge to the cold room today and uh, paired up the pairs of collier birds that I know won't hurt each other. Uh, the king snakes nice. have, uh, I'm, not, I'm a little nervous about putting the, I'm always nervous about putting the kings together just because. Um, but yeah, so we're doing that. And then I found out I have like one extra bin in the rack that I'm using for the collier birds. And I'm like, Oh no, I wonder dump, if dump, I dump, find uh, anything. Uh, good. <laughs> oh no, that's, like the worst possible thing that could have happened. Cause now I'm like, you know, if I find a pair of insert call your bread here at, you know, Oaks this weekend, maybe I want to buy it and then use it for breeding. So, yeah. There's that. That's we'll see how that goes. So um, nice. Exactly. And then, uh, uh, I, uh, grabbed a tiger female from you, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was not intending on, uh, I have a few tigers. Uh, I have a red tiger pairing, and then I have another just straight-up normal tiger pairing to a red tiger. But the one I got from you is way better looking. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. So I didn't know really what to do with her. And I'm like, I don't want to just throw her to the same male as the other tigers, and that's like the third thing over again. So uh, she's probably going to go to an Exanic, which I'm like, that's Ted Thompson original line tiger stuff to – Exanic. I'm like, hell yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. Now I've often wondered with the, uh, you know, like I remember when I was first getting back into snakes, the, a lot of people were breeding like Exanic, you know, and then like, if you had like Exanic pastels or something like that, it was like super intense. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if like, you're going to get that same, you know, intensity with the Exanic with that, that yellow kind of in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And it, the thing is, is that I'm a huge fan of uh, animals from Ted because mm-hmm. uh, way back when I got Trinity from Ted and every, even though she is not a striped animal, every mm-hmm. baby she's ever produced has the potential of stripes. I've gotten the best Jags out of her and I've gotten mm-hmm. some awesome tigers out of her. So now I, because the thing is, obviously, I don't have any striped Exanic stuff. So the beginnings of making Exanic tigers is to get the Exanic into the tiger and then go from there. So I'm hopeful that with the Ted Thompson stuff, adding the Exanic in, I will get more striped animals. And then 
the next go around when they get old enough, it'll be like, those will be the next step so that it, I can mm-hmm. get to tiger Xanax faster. Right. So cool. That's the idea. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. She was, uh, she was an awesome girl. She gave me two clutches actually. So, um, yeah. should, uh, uh, Oh, Casper, Casper's uh, got problems. Oh, crap. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he's got the, you want to, you want to help him out and I'll just talk of the news no, or something. I don't know. No, no, he's, hmm? he's, he's going to call back in through Skype. So, okay. So no big deal. But, um, yeah. So yeah, you dropped off, uh, yeah, I dropped off a bread lie. <laughs> you, so, you were like, this thing is massive. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was doing some maneuvering and, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going to be my strategy um, with breeding them. Uh, I mean, I, I've never I've bred that species, so, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to approach it. Um, but I'm probably going to put her in the cool room, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about maybe just putting her in at night for now, um, just to sort of start the process. But, uh, you know. I don't know. Looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, I I can make her a proven breeder. That would be nice. I would very much appreciate that. But I'm also moving because I'm also doing the same thing with when I added the collie bridge to the cold room, I have Mm -hmm. them all in a uh, nature, natural spirits, whatever the white ones racks. Um, And I I put the bread lie in there as well. And they all are being run off of a herb set. Um, And I have not set the night drop yet. So now that room is naturally a little bit colder than the actual snake room. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the rack's kind of working a little bit harder and it's not going to be able to get it to the full 80 something. I think a lot of the times during the day. So it's kind of a nice way to start the transition downward. Um, so uh, that's the slow, we'll all slowly start the night drop in there. So uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of glad that I, uh, I've been stalling as of late. Uh, with my breeding season because um, the other day it was like 80, 70 yes. 80 degrees. <laughs> I'm like, oh, see, this is why I wait, man. This is why I wait. 70, 80 uh, degrees. But then today I'm walking around in like freezing rain with like, mm-hmm. I, I make up your goddamn mind. So I'm thinking that the longer I delay, because initially I usually empty the empty them out in October and then start to cool down about midway through November now I, I kind of stopped feeding them about halfway through October. So I'm thinking around mid-November, maybe closer to Thanksgiving, I'll start the cool down, and that'll take it into December. I'm worried because if you remember last year around here, Christmas, it was like 70 degrees. So mm-hmm. my concern is I don't want to start the cool down and then have nature outside the house start, you know, messing me up by not getting cold enough. I want I, – I want, outdoors to start going down and I want outdoors to start staying down. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and it's, it's really the temperatures at night for me is what yes. I kind of mentioned to. And, um, you know, um, so I fed, I fed, this is probably the last time that I fed for the season today just to get one more meal in them. Um, you know, everything that was going to, uh, to eat, um, and then pretty much my collection shuts off of food for a, a couple mm-hmm. months. So 
that makes cleaning a whole lot of fun. And it was pretty cool that uh, my Halmahara today took a medium rat. So that was awesome. That is That's awesome. It's <laughs> always a good that is sign. Ama- the, that <laughs> sentence all in itself is just awesome. My Halmahara <laughs> took a yeah. medium rat. It's like, wow, all parts of that are cool. So Yeah. I was uh, pretty stoked. So it was one of those you leave it in the cage and kind of walk away type Run of deal. So yeah, <laughs> so. my um my albino male eats like that, and he only eats mice, which of course will drive someone like myself absolutely insane. I mean, you'll I, I, next time you're over here, you're gonna have to, you're, you'll probably look at him and be like, he's big enough. I'm like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> so you know, it's, <laughs> he he's stunted. He's so tiny. It's like, yeah, there's all that stuff. Um, I'm trying to break down the room right now of who who everyone's going to move to uh, or who's going to move into whose cages and then who, which cages are open. So I can move my, um, I try to get my water python out of the rack. So I want to see her in a cage when I try to breed her. Uh, I got to put the olives together, which will open up one of the olive cages where the white lips are going to go. So it's all this stuff like in the next couple of days are going to be absolute insanity. I have to, mulch a four-footer so I can put all the Dominican red mountain bows together. I don't know why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if I really want to, I might be crying as I'm like putting mulch in the cage and putting those horrible creatures together. And, uh, you know, in the hopes that they don't breed. Um, But wait, what is this? White, white lips? No, the Dominican red mountain bows. Oh, sorry. Dominican red mountain. No, we want, we want the white lips to breed. We want the white lips to breed. Not Are the you breeding, trying them this year? The white lips, yeah. Yeah. Northerns and southerns, or one? Uh, one? Northerns, southerns aren't big enough yet. So okay. definitely the northerns, which I've, I've been treating this adult pair that I have here as these wild-caught, nasty, horrible creatures. And then I talked to Dennis, and he goes, no, no, the white lips like you got from Mike, Mike got from me. They're captive-born and bred. I'm like, then why are they so mean? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. So, <laughs> uh, like, they're actual captive born and bred. So, for all I know, it's a little bit better of a shot than I thought I was going to get. So. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, is that, what's your most anticipated non-carpet uh, pairing for the year? That is a dangerous thing to ask me. Um it would be the white lips. I would I would flip for the white lips, but I'd also love uh, the Womas, the Max, the Olives. Um, you know, I'd love all those things to go. I would that would that would be awesome. So uh, that would probably hmm. be it. it. Would be the white lips. But then it's it's like it's just that way. And then next year I will probably try Ruffies for the first time. So. That'll be nothing else matters. Yeah, nothing else. I don't care. <laughs> so here's, here's how we're going to work it. I'm going to produce right, inlands. Listening. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to produce inlands. So don't buy yeah. inlands this year. I'm all right. All right. <laughs> and I'll give you enough inlands to equal a pair of roughies. All right, that works. Oh, the it's thing, a beautiful you know, thing. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, it's yeah. just standing credit. I'm cool. Or, you know, plus, <laughs> if I get gold face white lips, that's another python off your magical mm. python list. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I was supposed to get my uh, happy, uh, uh, you know, Tuesday box today, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked. All right. <laughs> because it got delayed, uh, so it'll be next week that I got it. But I took the uh, the uh, 
Poplins is in mm-hmm. the box, and mm-hmm. Moluccan Scrub is in the box. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty close, man. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> a, a lot of people uh, didn't think that I would be able to make it, but I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I I I think the only things I really don't have is like. Uh, Rough scales, obviously. Uh, right. A couple things I need like pairs for. Blackheads is one. Speaking of blackheads, did you yes. see that Reptilinx is now selling iguana meat in um, links? Yes. So, wow. or like walmas and blackheads and uh, snake eaters and you know lizard eaters and such. Um, yeah. That's going to be a heaven sent. Um, they're also in introduced uh african soft fur scent um, nice which is amazing pretty cool yeah uh so two and and right now that i don't i it's got it's a limited time so you know uh i just got the email the other day but uh you know you, they got five dollars off for a limited time uh on those two items but uh aquana meat i thought was pretty interesting man you know because like that's those guys are just taking it to a whole nother level because I mean, some of these snakes, they do better with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, uh, and then it goes back to things like know. when I, when I first started, it was like, got to get them on rats because that's what everything needs to be on because if they're not eating mm-hmm. frozen thawed rats, I don't know what to do, but now it's like, what are you eating? Cool. Freaking eat it. I don't care. Like, you know, just, like I have certain animals that I only feed chicks to because they are eating chicken. I don't give a crap. So mm-hmm. this kind of goes with the if this thing would naturally respond to this type of food item more, and you can readily get it, why even try to fight it and get them onto something that would necessarily not like? Why 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 not just go with the flow? This is an mm-hmm. animal that eats like frogs and then eats lizards when it gets big. So why not start it on something? I don't know. Uh, a reptilink with the frog scent or even like the, you know, the frog sausages or whatever, and then get into the lizard links and then you're good. Who cares? This opens yeah. up a lot more of the animals that people would have thought would have been more or too difficult to uh, work out or, or breed. So. Um, let's see. Let's, let's, uh, let's try. Try and get Casper on. All right. Yeah. Casper. Can you hear us? I hear you loud and clear. But now we can't hear you. <laughs> we can't hear you. There's no problem. <laughs> uh, crap. <laughs> He's not muted. No. Ay, ay, ay. Why is it, it so just... hard to talk with people from across <laughs> the world? The planet? The world. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, well, I, well, guess, we wanna, gonna, I guess he's going to work on whatever he's going to work on, but uh, I can't hear him, right. so I might as well just leave him open until... Uh, until you hear me him. now? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. you are. Yes. Yes. Don't touch yes. anything. <laughs> Don't move. Okay, I was, I was actually just sitting and talking to myself until I... Oh, really? <laughs> we do that all the time. So... <laughs> Yeah. I had my own conversation and I just didn't know why you weren't responding to my uh, <laughs> what I was saying. I was like, how like, rude are wow. those guys? 
Yeah, you guys are well, super rude, man. Yeah, we we do that sometimes. Oh. I understand. But uh, I know what the problem is now. I was uh, trying to connect some sort of microphone, uh, headset, all that stuff, and it wasn't just working for me. So, yeah. I just went back to the normal uh, iPhone headset, and apparently that's the only thing that works. So, Wow. Yeah. Got to keep it simple, man. (laughs) Got to keep it simple. Yep. Got to keep it simple. That's right. So how you been, man? Um, Yeah, it's almost been a month. Tinley. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a crazy, crazy, crazy ass show. I'm <laughs> <laughs> and I was so tired. I was, yeah. That was a rough, rough show for me because I didn't get used to the, uh, you know, the the jet lag and all that stuff. And I was just, yeah, directed <laughs> into a reptile symposium slash show two days in a row and talking with guys all the time nonstop, having no breaks all having no food it kind of tied me up a bit but it was uh it was super nice it was worth all the hassle and uh, i loved every part of it that's for sure awesome awesome well, and it was so good yeah. seeing you guys again I must, definitely uh, i must admit that <laughs> yeah, it was a, we we hadn't yeah. seen you since iCast, so yeah, it was well, uh, it was weird. That was in 2013, right? Yeah, it's been years. Yeah, yes, years. Oh, it's good being back. So, uh, yeah, yeah, gear up, man. iCast two is coming sometime soon. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm going to Tinley next year. iCast, Carpet Fest. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna be over here a lot, is what you're telling us. Yeah. <laughs> also, I hate flying. I don't know if uh, I understand, but I'm super afraid of flying, so that's not the best, uh, the best thing in the world. It would take you a while by boat, though. So we we yeah. appreciate you flying. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So. I mean, there's tons of stuff we wanted to talk to you about, but like, you know, um, I don't know what's, what's, what's you been up to with reptiles? Like what, what's your collection like now? Cause I know that you've been in and out of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I've been in and out. Uh, and people probably noticed. Uh, so last, last summer I, uh, <clears throat> I got into a pretty rough period in my life. Uh, I just bought an apartment with my, back then girlfriend uh, and uh, I bought it together with her and we broke up we split up uh, after seven years right after Damn, I moved oh, wow. into this place mm-hmm. yeah. and I had to uh, to buy her out of the apartment pretty much and uh, I was pretty stressed uh, while I was doing that I had the uh, I was trying to build my own education company with uh, and trying to educate people primarily schools elementary schools um, with uh, yeah, reptiles and uh, endangered endangered animals um, so that was pretty rough as well and it was not the easiest to start up uh, the money wasn't flowing in so uh, I was uh, I was fighting a lot to keep it going so all that together uh, I decided that uh, I didn't have time for my private collection at all. Mm. And uh, so I split up with my girlfriend. I uh, moved into the apartment, had to get a roomie because I couldn't afford living alone. Mm-hmm. 
there was a lot of uh, lot of crap going on uh, with the uh, with the company trying to get all sorts of uh, yeah legal stuff uh, in order to uh, even educate uh, kids. It was yeah a lot of bureaucratic crap. Uh, yeah, red tape and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So gotcha. I didn't know if I told you at, at ICAP, but in Denmark we have a lot of a lot of rules and. Uh, I pretty much have to get a signed copy of each parent in every class I would ever do, would ever educate before I could actually go to the, the class. Whoa. So just fighting for it. <laughs> just fighting for, you know, I, I, I would probably use three or four work days just to get one job legal. Wow. Wow. So that was, uh, that was quite a lot of effort with uh, almost – you know, no income. So uh, it ended up being working a lot, taking care of a lot of animals and with almost no money in return. So uh, I had to, uh, after two years of trying, I had to uh, agree to myself and, uh, and a friend that I was doing it with that we had to close it down pretty much. So uh, that was what happened. That was a shame. But yeah, and in all that, Craziness, I sold off pretty much my entire collection of reptiles, including the Papuan pythons, uh, 12 Boland pythons, uh, rough scale pythons, <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff. So, yeah, that was a, that was a major hit for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sincerely regret it to the day I die, probably. But, uh, yeah, that's what happens. So uh, these are in- yeah. unfortunate events that you can't foresee. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, nobody wants to. We all love our collections. We all love what we do. But nobody yeah. wants to torpedo their actual life just so you can keep snakes. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's exactly. as hard as that was, you, pr- you, you, pr- you made the right call. So, yeah, it, 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 when you when you're not in that situation, you can't understand when people actually saying this. But mm-hmm. when when life sucks. There's more to it than reptiles, and it's it's almost a thing I can't even imagine I'm saying right now because <laughs> reptiles have been much my whole life. But yeah, but that's that's, the, you know, that's how it is. You you really have to take care of yourself and your own, uh, you know, health before yeah. anything else. So. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went through a divorce, um, and at that time, I was keeping mostly berms. And when I did that, I had to sell them all off. And, you know, it was, it was, it was funny how it led me into carpets, but it's like weird how things just kind of work out over time. But, um, carpets was the only things that stayed alive in my parents' basement. When Mm. it got really cold, (laughs) (laughs) everything else got, nothing else could handle it. Oh, good. So uh, I have one thing to uh, say. I actually still keep reptiles at my parents' place because <laughs> I can't. I have I have reptiles two places. I have it. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a place that I rent it for uh, for the larger animals like the monotheles and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. I have a basement at my parents where I where I keep the snakes. So they're pretty close to me, but I can't keep any reptiles or animals at all where I live right now. So that's the only option. But uh, yeah. uh, but but reptiles alive in your parents' basement. That's that's what it's all about. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we all started anyway. 
yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that. You are correct. So <laughs> yeah. sometimes you got to go back to your roots. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but it just so, it worked uh, out that uh, those guys survived, and uh, you know that's what led me like, oh, these things are bulletproof. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I, I started uh, investigating them, and you know now here we are. But um, here we are. 400 carpets later. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my, my collection has diversified pretty much over the past couple months. So Yeah, I must say I was pretty impressed by the, uh, by the acquisitions you made these, uh, these last few weeks, actually, and also at the, uh, the Tinley Park. I love the rock pythons. Wow. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, they're doing well, man. I love to keep those. Yeah, yeah, they're doing pretty good. Um, they settled down pretty well. I mean, when I had them there, they were not that happy, but now they're pretty chill. Um, you know, but, Eric, uh, you, you still you still need the, the Southern African rock, the Nathalensis. You still need those. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I must admit, also, you only have one of the burnt species. You need the you need dwarf, you need yep. the uh, Sri Lankan, uh, Pimbura, and you need the Indian, the true Indian, Malurus Malurus. He knows. He knows you're they're all on his list. Yeah, the United yeah. remaining new. So, you know how hard it is to find people that it's probably easier over where you're at. Maybe I don't know, but um, over here it's it's difficult to find some yeah. of those uh, more obscure species. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day, and we were talking about how Mahara retics and how because now it's closed and you can't get retics in anymore into the U.S. Mm-hmm. And there's only like maybe five of that locality. And like, those are the type of things that if you, if they get lost, you know, they're going to be gone. Yeah. We'll never get them back. Right. And I have some very, very reliable sources that Indonesia is pretty much every year tighten the, uh, the knot. They're like not letting everything go as they used to. So, I think one day we will see pretty much what happens to the Australian animals that people are Indo super shut interested down. in the Indonesian animals, yeah, because they're pretty much impossible to get in in like 10 years from now, maybe. So the quote on, on some of the really cool species that we used to have a lot of is almost closed. So we yeah. just, we will have what we have now and, and probably get imported the next four years if we're lucky and uh that's it so it's more important than it's more important than ever for exactly, captive yeah. breeding right yes yeah, to, to, to start i mean we got to start establishing if you want to get into a pro- if you want to get into a, a, a product it's 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 now yeah because you you don't have control what others do i mean just just look at me i bred powerpoint pads one year and then i sold them off Mm-hmm. Where they now they're scattered all across Europe. Maybe none of those guys will ever breed them again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's the sad part when uh, when like that happens, and and you never know what happens to people. So even if they're let's say a person that breeds the dun pythons, yeah, let's just take Ryan for example. Yeah, of course, Ryan we, Young. We, but we don't know what what happens to people. Shit mm-hmm. can go down, and and you can lose species in an instant even at pretty reliable keepers so yeah yeah 
Which kind of like led me on this path of where I'm at now, because I, I, I agree with you. I think it's only a matter of time uh, till they, they start closing that up. And, um, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, you know, you can't get yeah. back. So. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I said, let's, let's make it happen now rather than wait, because the longer you wait, you know, yeah. the longer you, well, it, it, it's easy now. I mean, yeah, yeah, certain species are difficult to find, but you can still find them. It's not to the point now where if they shut down Indo, then every single Timor python that's in the country is what's in the country. And good luck trying to get them all into one place in the hands of somebody who's going to be able to breed them. So this is the time to start kind of setting up your projects if you think yep. that this is something you want to do. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Damn it. I agree. So, All right. I agree. Well, there goes my money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about poplins. So you bred them. I mean, were they difficult to breed? Um, you know. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. So, All right. That works. So, yeah. So, yeah what, what happened is that I kept poplin python since 2009. Up until yeah, up until uh, yeah, I sold them in, in March, pretty much. So I kept them for what's that, eight years? Yeah. And uh, the outcome was one clutch. So. <laughs> so do you feel <laughs> that was the that was the same animals? And and I know that people have kept, you know, a decent amount of these of these snakes and over a, a nice period of years, but without any success at all. So I feel really, really lucky just to, uh, to have gotten to the point where I, I got X. Um, yeah. And I've kept a very, very tight uh, list or note on my computer with all info at all the last four years about them. So uh, I got all the stats here and... Uh, it's the only stats I pretty much know of uh, Papa and Python breeding. And I spoke to Dave and Tracy Barker. They couldn't tell me anything at all. Um, people that were luckily, uh, people that bred them before, they, they never took any notes. So, uh, so we didn't know anything about them. And, and some of the people that bred them maybe did it once. And that was it. And they didn't know how they did it. That was pretty much just pure luck. So, and there was a guy with with a homepage, actually a U.S. guy that that did a pretty decent job building a homepage just for the uh, PowerPoint Python readings he did, but mm-hmm. he closed down, and uh, I have no idea where he went. So information like that disappears. There's only articles about them with their natural habitat and biology. And it's very scarce. It's, there's almost nothing about them. So that was uh, pretty tricky to uh, to just get started. And uh, there was not much info to uh, <laughs> to get at all. To go by, so, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I I didn't know what I was doing. I, I could just I could you know have done it wrong for five years and maybe just a little bit tweak and it's all there. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, but I can now provide you with the info that I that I wrote down. So that I wrote okay. down. So that's good. Cool. 
cool. Were they difficult to keep, just keep in general? I think they're probably, just like Bones Pythons, actually just probably one of the easiest pythons to keep healthy. Just to keep alive, they're super, super easy. They're very easy to feed. They often feed, you know, most popcorn pythons come in as import animals, and we know that, like, mm-hmm. 99% are imports. And they often, I hear from importers that they are super easy to, uh, to get started. They come in, they shed once, and they are starting on frozen thawed rats at once. So feeding is no problem. Uh, they tend to have bad sheds. Uh, I see a lot of bad sheds, but overall very easy. Almost never get sick. Um, very cool animals. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, compared to other larger-bodied snakes that you've had, where would you kind of rank these guys? Is like you know, uh, kind of are they are they better than scrubs temperament-wise or? You know, are they oh, yeah. better than the olives kind of deal? I mean, where would you kind of rank these guys? I would say I've kept, I also kept the Australian olives. And yeah. that's actually funny that they're often referred to as the, the, uh, the Papuan olive python, which is freaking nonsense. In my <laughs> it doesn't make any, doesn't make any damn <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even look like they don't even look like it's weird. To olives compared to scrubs, compared to even some bolens. Uh, they're super calm, actually. They do have a pretty weird thing where they strike when they're inside the cage. They're very defensive about their territory, uh, territory, and uh, that's it. When you hook them out, when they see the hook, they're just like a berm or retic. They calm down a lot. And I think that's because they're super intelligent. They know that they have a decent size. They know their owner. I'm not a threat to it, so why even defensive at all? Why waste your energy on that? So mm-hmm. they're uh, very, very smart animals compared to the Australian owls, which are super dumb. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, seriously, the whole Lyatis genus, those are probably the stupidest, dumbest genus of all the pythons. I, so I, I, I want to, I want so to disagree. But I can't. <laughs> like, I really want to tell everybody that Cass is probably lying. But I've seen all my liasses do really, really dumb things. So <laughs> super, super dumb. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so do you think that your success with breedum is more for the fact that you kept them so long in captivity and they were settled in, or do you think it I was think just so. you hit on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, so I think I was one of the the persons that keeping them, if you want to call it that, because people all, often get tired of them, trying to breed them. They see a ton of lockups. They see a female laying on the back, um, and then nothing happens. If you do that like four four years in a row, you get pretty tired as a as a human being. So mm. you get you have to be pretty, uh, you know. You have to you have your mind with you and, and keep on doing the, the stuff you do because otherwise they will just uh, they'll just fool you because that's what they do. They uh, right. they need a lot of time. So I think just like any other larger uh, patterns that have not been worked with for uh, let's say many generations like berms and retics, 
they need the time for sure. That's uh, that's one thing that's for certain. Right. So uh, I had them uh, all these years, and I tried to breed them three, four years in a row. I got uh, I got the female to lay on her back. Uh, she was growing follicles. I felt it, but she never uh, she never gave me eggs uh, until the last year I tried. So hmm. she now, was very comfortable in her uh, in her conditions, and uh, she was very steady. She always ate. I fed them seasonally um, with all the right stuff, and I just think she needed the time. She needed the age. Uh, yeah, she needs the ability that I could provide her uh, by keeping yeah. her year after year. So, yeah. Right. That's so, about, are they are they breeding in the winter, or are they spring breeders, or how how do they shake out? It's it's actually funny. My first note from 2013-2014, they bred from the third, the October the third until. June until June. That's a pretty long. That that, that covers all of it. Okay. Off, so a block. And I I have like listed. What is that? That is almost 15 locks, that I saw in this period of many many months. So that is a that's a very very long time that they they even trying to lock up with each other, which is pretty, pretty wild because wow. uh, normally I don't see. Especially in the other pythons that I bred, the Australian pythons, especially, mm-hmm. I don't see a lot outside of the uh, the season that they, the the female are really like developing follicles. I don't see lockups in like June or unless yeah. they're bred like of course or diamonds. But if they're, uh, yeah, if they're yeah. species, you don't see that. So it's. That's that's just weird, and that's because they're from Indonesia. They're closer to equator. They don't have that season, like you know, the Australian patterns do. So it's it's pretty, it's hard to figure out what part, what time of the year that the the female is developing follicles because it can differ from snake to snake. So right, it's a that's a small uh, small obstacle you need uh, <laughs> to figure out before you uh, you even try to breed the. Uh, the female you got, so uh, yeah. Hmm. So I should put my white lips together now. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know because every every female can be different, so you don't know yeah. where she's, what time of the year she's going. So hmm. what I have you a guys- friend in uh, in Holland that uh, that also tries I've tried to breed them the last four or five years, uh-huh. and it's funny because my female would always go breeding around February until April. Mm-hmm. His female is starting in August. What? That is super weird. Yeah. That's like the opposite of each other. And he also got eggs, but just from the other, you know. That's that's insane. Yeah. That, that'd be like if my animals There's and Eric's animals, animals yeah. were on reverse breedings. Like, that yeah, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jesus! That's super weird, yeah. And uh, he got eggs, but he lost all his eggs. It was not fertile, so that was pretty sad for him. But he's uh, he's trying a lot. But uh, so, how big were the eggs? Because like, were they, are we talking like blackhead eggs? Where these things were like 
massive or are they like kind of a little bit smaller? They're uh, even larger than Black Python X. Jesus. All right. Yeah. Yeah, they're huge. And the baby is hatched at around 100 grams. Wow. Wow. And they were were long. (laughs) That is a big baby. (laughs) They took adult mice first feeding. What? That, that's like retic feeding. All right, that's insane. They're and they're super strong as babies. When hatched, they're like when they squeeze your fingers, you feel that you have a problem. Jesus, it's like damn, I can't get this knot up because they're <laughs> they're like yeah, <laughs> they're great. Love them. Wow. Did you artificially you incubate? Want to, do you want me to uh, like uh, like go through the uh, the season? Them yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah. Okay, so I, I, I have, I had them in cages that were six, uh, six times three times two feet, um, and I used as a heat source. I used uh, thirty watt bulbs, heat bulbs, so pretty old school for a heat source, and mm-hmm. it was connected to a to a thermostat, of course. And um, normally, I, they were on 12-hour daylight hotspots, and in the winter time, they were on 10. That was it. And uh, all year round, I uh, I just turn off every heat at night. And okay. uh, in summer, it, it would stay pretty hot, and in winter, it would drop down to 68, 73 Fahrenheit, and. Uh, that's for a night drop, and with the hotspot up in the day as uh, 86, and that was all year round. So I never went higher than 86 with the hotspot all year round, and that was one thing I changed from the previous year that I think did it, um, because I think people burn off the follicles of the females, and these guys are not seen basking, uh, as far as I know. Uh, they're like they dwell in the in the jungle. They don't go out and seek the heat. And every time I turned up the heat, they were like trying to seek to, to uh, through something cold. So yeah, that was pretty That's obvious awesome. that uh, they didn't like it hot at all. So, but okay. uh, I stopped feeding them in I stopped feeding them in November, and that is until the February. The tenth of February that I that I start feeding again, so uh, so they had a period where they are like in the dry season. What do you call it? Um, and I don't mist at all. I uh, I provide them a small water dish and that's it. So I I just let them be for themselves uh, for these three months and that's it. And then I start them up again in February. I uh, I introduce them to each other. Um, my pair was actually very come to watch each other and I hear a lot of people are super afraid of trying to uh, pair them up together because they do eat other snakes and it's a big part of mm-hmm. the night in the wild and a lot of people have lost males to, to larger females so but my pair was pretty uh, in tune with each other every time I cleaned their cage I put them in with each other I observed them and uh I tried to feed the male a lot, so he was a, a good size that the female wouldn't see him as a as a potential prey item. So uh, right. that was a, that's I think it's very important as well. 
never ever use a small Papuan python male with a big female. That's that's super dumb. You need a huge male for the job, and that's every time. Okay. But in February, I put them together, and then I started to feed them once a week with a small wheel consisting of a rat around 100, 150 grams. And then they actually start to lock up at once when they're uh, with each other. So um, I keep feeding them, especially the female, so she's not hungry when she's with the male. So she's always full, and she has enough energy to produce the follicles to develop them while she's uh, hooking up with the male. So in March, uh, the, I wrote down here that it says, the 14th of March, I wrote this. Okay, I'm going to quote this, what I, what I wrote down. Looking monster huge and uncomfortable. <laughs> Laying on the back. Okay. Gravit style. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that's what I wrote. <laughs> and um, have she shit already, Christian? Uh, have she had an ov- ovulation, Christian? She's not eating. Mm-hmm. So the female in, in March, she stopped eating. She was super huge and very uncomfortable. She was laying on her back, just like carpet pythons do when they're, now she's ready to lay her eggs. Mm-hmm. But that didn't mean nothing because it ended another month before I got the ovulation. And this is where I think people often do a mistake as well. They think she's looking super huge. And I mean, she was like huge follicles. You could even you could even think they were eggs because they were big. So people and often they back think off. that, that means that oh yeah. yeah, they're gravid now. So I'll pull out the male. She's laying on the back. I I am I'm going to wait on eggs anytime now. But that was not the that was not the thing. So she first ovulated the seventh of April, and then 20 days later, I got the prelation. So that's a pretty long uh, distance from from what carpets are normally used to. They're like ten days from ovulation to prelation, right? Something like that. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Ten days to two weeks. Yeah. 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 So she uh, she had the prelation, and I was very questionable about, questionable about it because she had this. Um, she went from being very very big and uncomfortable to being very slim. Then they, were, then they went 42 days after the prelay shit and uh, she laid the eggs. So it's 42 days after the prelay shit. That's a pretty long time to wait. And I was very worried in that moment because she was getting bigger and bigger. And I was writing a lot of people and everybody was telling me, I don't know where they have, how many days from prelay shit to egg. Mm-hmm. So I was super confused. Um, yeah. And I was I was actually thinking about bringing it to bed because I was super worried that she was egg bound, egg bound, or there was some issues. Uh, but luckily, I didn't do that. So um, yeah, but she laid the eggs in June and they hatched in September. So that's around ninety days. Ninety days, Jesus. Yeah, and that was when the ones uh, pipped. So I got 15 eggs. All of them were fertile. Super nice. No slugs. Everything was perfect. But um, I cut the eggs 
in the end of August because five of them were looking super like um, the calls were getting weird and they were very sunken. Like uh, you see it a lot of when they're about to pip, but these were like super sunken, like they were drying or something like that. So I cut them open and I found fully termed developed dead babies in the eggs. Uh, so five, sucks. yeah, so five died uh, fully termed. And I hatched 10 alive babies, but two of them died very shortly. So I ended up with eight babies in total, and I was super happy about it. That was uh, probably my proudest moment as a, as a snake keeper ever when I, when I hatched these uh, motherfuckers. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. imagine, imagine, imagine having a snake for eight years and finally hatching them. That was... Uh, I can imagine. I, really I don't need to imagine. I've had white lips for almost eight years, <laughs> so yeah, I understand. <laughs> you know, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, it really, uh, that really uh, made me think that uh, before I was so uh, was so quick to uh, to change my projects, and if I was not successful with the animals, or I get flocks one year, and blah blah blah. I would often actually sell the project off because I got, I was thinking, yeah, this is not going to work for me. But this really changed my mind. I think from now on, after uh, being su- successful with this girl or this species, I think uh, I will uh, I'll really uh, yeah, take my time and uh, don't get out too quick on the projects mm-hmm. that, uh, that you really love. So... Yeah, I think I, I learned a lot from this clutch. Wow. Yeah, I swear that the problem with scrub pythons is the fact that just what you say, man, people get them, they 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 keep them for a few years, they don't have any success, they sell them, you know. And yeah, then of course. you I, reset I the, the same, clock. I did the same thing, you did the same thing, Owen did the same thing. Yeah. All been there. And uh that's just a, that's a normal issue. And it's not because that you're a bad keeper that you do it. And it's, it's not a negative thing, but it's just something that's common in the reptile hobby. And there could be a lot of courses, a reasons that you do it. And it's, it's fair, but I think that they need a lot of years to, uh, to get a stable. Uh, yeah. To get stable in yeah. your, uh, your cages and your surroundings and whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. Definitely the yeah. So how do you think they compare to Bolins? Do you think that some? Did you? Were you going to try any of the things that you were successful with these guys with your Bolins when you know when you were going to go to breed them? I know I know you don't have them at currently, but yeah. Mm. But actually, I was doing. A, they were almost. They were actually in the same room. My uh-huh. adult pair of bullhai and the, the Papuan pythons, they were in the same room. The bullhai were in the lower cages, so they got colder, like, automatically. But they didn't get as cold as normal or the normal, uh, you know, thing you would, you would do with a bullhai because they were, right. they were pretty used to – when you were thinking bullhai, just a few years ago, people were thinking, oh, they needed down to – like freezing temperature and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I don't think that was the issue. I think it was the 
overall too hot conditions they were kept under that was the main issue without being expert but that was just what I thought and um, I was keeping in the same room and I got some bowling activity at the same time but that was never enough and uh, they were they were too young at that point anyway so but I think that could might work as well but I find that most people keep their pythons too hot all year you know okay. all year round and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we don't get a lot of success with a lot of the stuff because it makes people it makes the pythons uncomfortable it makes them nervous it makes them slower responding to captive conditions if they're wild caught uh, more prone to diseases um, a high temperature sets off diseases a lot quicker than lower temperatures so if they have a small you know small ri it can escalate very quick with a high temperature um, and that's actually yeah i think that, it's that, a big that's big interesting issue because well, it's interesting because a lot of the, the, the main thing is that your snake gets an RI, the first thing everybody yeah. does is crank the heat. So, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's yeah. so funny. And it's every, every, everybody thinks that RI is that because the snakes were kept too cold. And that's actually, I think, 60, 80% of the time, that's actually the opposite. The snakes were kept too hot over a too long period. They were stressed okay. out. One of the symptoms of stress in snakes is something alike for infection. It's actually not an infection, but it's the same symptoms. So okay. you think it's got RI, but it's it might be something else. And it's actually funny with the PowerPoint pythons. A lot of them come in with a great amount of parasite loads. So even though you get a well-caught snake and the, the cell says, yeah, it's it's fully treated. Uh, it's super fine. You can find parasites in that animal, that's for sure. So get an extra eagle done before you put it to your room because it's a funny story. After my female laid her eggs, mm-hmm. she got RI. Right no, after God she laid her eggs, she got RI. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it was a fun, and yeah, and, and I took it to vet. I have a very, very good and very uh, super nice vet. Uh, He's really good with exotics and, and reptiles in general. So I went to him and uh, I told him she got RI. And mm-hmm. he told me uh, she's wild caught, right? I told him, yes, she was wild caught 10 years ago. 10 years ago, no symptoms. We checked her fecal. What did I find? Just worms, parasites? Worms, parasites, yeah. Oh, gross. So I got all my snakes, and I, I have a, my hygiene is it's, it's, it's borderline insane. Okay. Yeah. So I never, I ne- you know, I always wash my hands. I use gloves. So I, there's no contamination from any of the snakes. So I checked all the other snakes. None of them had parasites. Only the That's two good. top one patterns that had been in captivity for 10 years without showing symptoms. She was stressed out because she had laid the clutch. She was uh, under some rough conditions, of course. It's, it's, it really mm-hmm. takes it from them uh, producing a clutch of eggs. So she was stressed out, and she got the RI symptoms. 
And I treated her for the parasites and the RI went away. I didn't crank the temperature. Okay. I didn't do all that stuff. I didn't load her with uh, what you normally use for uh, for an RI. So, and she, it just got away. So she's uh, she was super healthy after that. So what I was just uh, trying to say is that even though you have wild-caught snakes and they're in your collection for many, many years without showing any symptoms at all, get a fecal done now and then just to be sure because they're super good at hiding it, especially mm. if they kept right. So, yeah. Right. So right. what did you do so, to get rid of the parasites? Of what, the parasites. what was the treatment? It was a special uh, product. I can't. It's actually done because I can't even remember the, na- the name right now. But I, it was oral drops, and I did it. Um, I think I did it once a week for a month. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember the name. I can look it up for you, and I can, but not right now. I can't remember it. It's okay. I'm stupid, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no way. I was just curious. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was a, it was a product that I've never used before, so it's not hmm. one of the uh, the normal products. Well, he, he, he's Eric's curious because he keeps getting all these pythons in, and he's going to start up in his uh, quarantine game. So you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's real important, you know, <clears throat> especially with dealing with wild especially, stuff. Especially the, these days, as well as also just getting uh, animals from, you know, private collections. It's super mm-hmm. important. If you want to stay, you know, serious with your pre-stock, uh, you know, get a virus test or whatever, because there's a lot of viruses floating, floating around these days. And yeah, if you have a collection just like you guys, you really need to be careful because you really do why about your entire collection and pretty much what you worked the last 10 years no 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 i don't want to no i no, no I, we're going a little too far here <laughs> like even all your babies are a waste oh, of no. that work with them yeah that would just be uh, worst case scenario ever so Nobody wants that, especially oh. after. I mean, God. <sighs> anyway, yeah. um, how were you said the babies when they hatched out were huge and they were big enough to eat huge. adult mice? How like how did you set them up and how did you get them going with the? Were they easy feeders or were they problem feeders? They were actually uh, they okay. So so half of the the eight babies, half of them had a huge. Um, amount of yolk in them. Okay. And half of them were thin as fuck. You know, uh, they, <laughs> they didn't absorb anything at all. So it was it was pretty funny. Once that had all the yolk, it took them two months to get started. The ones without, and the very weak ones, they were feeding right away. Well, all right, that makes some sense. Those guys were had full bellies. Those guys didn't. Yep. So at least they're smart enough to know that they need the food. So yeah, and they they actually they were not very uh, not very keen on the mice from the from the get go. So I had okay. to like uh, scalp and you know chicken 
and they're smeared all over the mice and just to get them started. So, but the uh, the foul scent was uh, was pretty good with the with the problem. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So they, they they took something. Yeah. They were not hard to get started, but they just took their time. Okay. They, the the ones with the, that absorbed all the yolk, they did. They have no interest in feeding at all. At all. It's so they were, weird. They're just yeah. But they were set up in a normal rack just for snake babies with uh, also the same uh, hot spot um, as the adults, um, just on heat heat tape instead. And yeah, just room temperature. And they were fine. So not too cool. hot. Not too hot. Just, uh, yeah. Just a pretty That's hot spot. And that was it. Yeah. It's very cool. So was there like a kind of like a color ton of a change? Like did they come out really dark and as they grew a little bit, <laughs> yeah. get a little bit brighter? Dude, or? dude man. They are dude. insane. They're like the chameleons of the Python world. Too. <laughs> like, they came out jet lag. Almost like black wow. python, and then after the first jet, they were like changed from super light olive colored with a with nice metallic gray head to almost yeah jet black and everything in between, and even wow. even like uh, two colors at the same time, like they it looked almost looked like they have some sort of lateral striping. Yeah, they're insane, and it's actually also the popcorn python. I must say this. It's the only snake in the entire world that actually looks better while in shed. <laughs> All right. turning. Okay, so when they're in shed, when you see a big adult popcorn pattern in shed, you'll see the laterals are baby blue colored, like in a blue fucking chondro, like that uh-huh. blue. With a okay. super nice light gray back, and it looks freaking Awesome, that is cool. I need to, I need to send a picture of that because that's, yeah. that's <laughs> super, super weird, super weird, but very nice. Did yep. did you give the babies an opportunity to climb on anything? Do you think they would have wanted that, or are they strictly stick to the ground kind of guys? I have no idea. I never gave them that opportunity. <laughs> cool. What I, I did, kept them, I, I kept them up. super clean. I kept them on on towels and, and just with a with a small plastic hide and. Uh, yeah, and a water ball, of course. So, cool. I wouldn't know, unfortunately. And there's there's That's absolutely awesome. no you know no research in, in the wild going on with them. So I we don't know anything about these snakes, and that's also one of the funny thing about them. I think I uh, I really like that that they're so um, mysterious, just like the bones, actually. Even more, I think that's, that's, they have been studied less than the bones and bred less than the bones. So, damn it! Don't really, don't uh, tell me these things that you don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, don't don't tell me these things. Uh, the next thing they're you're going to tell me is they're, they're, they're very intriguing. unpopular and nobody wants them because then I'm going to have to get yeah. a pair. Shit! But they, I don't I don't know why they're unpopular. They're large. They can eat huge prey items. They can even yeah. you know. Strangle a, a human being. They're a, well. That's you know, a downside. So <laughs> yeah, but for some, for all the retic uh, fuckheads out oh, there. Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
But there's a lot of guys, you know, liking, if you like the larger snakes and if you're like really into that stuff, why wouldn't you keep a Papuan python? I don't understand that. Right. True. They have the yeah, temperament it, of a rechick. They're huge, super nice, different. They look insane. Uh, nothing like any other pythons out there. So, yeah. I guess it's just because people don't know it. Every time I posted a picture on the Danish groups, people were like, what species is that? Is that? I've never seen it before. Uh, <laughs> what sort <laughs> of retic is that? What now? Is that a, a, a king snake on steroids? Or? Yep. <laughs> yeah, because their head's completely different yeah. than any other python. Yeah, and Eric, mean, Eric, you will notice now when you, when you, you have both the, the Australian olives and the, the Papuan olives now. So you can really you can really tell the difference. The elongated head from the Australian, like the flat head, and the pops have this short, super beefy, uh, weird ass head with a very uh, pronounced elation, like super big gales. Really, and that's very different from the uh, from the from the olives. Yeah, it's like a it's like a bulldog kind of face or yeah. something like that. It's like all smooshed in, so. And it's funny, just like the chondros, actually, when they shed, the head turns like almost double size. It looks super weird. That's insane. So I was talking to Rob about these guys because he's kept them off and on a few times. I think six, he told me. Um, He said that uh, they're big into, they're not really biters, but what they do is they kind of headbutt you. They like butt you with their head. Yep. 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 Yeah, they do that. Even the, even the adults do that. So I've never been bitten by any Papuan at all, but I've gotten a lot of those headbutts. And that's not a, it's more like, a, it's not a defensive, it's a, a territorial thing in their cage. Mm-hmm. It will do it just to you know, let you know that, hello, dude, it's my place. It's not because it's Get aggressive out. and want to, and wanna, you know, give you a hard time. It's not that. But it's just defensive in their own territory, I think. And so as soon as you get them out, they're like puppy dog thing, super chill. Yeah, Zach posted a picture of when he was at your place a while back on Facebook, yeah. and uh, he was holding one, and the thing's almost as big as him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Slapped I around mean, his foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Now, check out that uh, the snake because it's super lean. That's the male. It's- it's He's so super, dark. super lean, but very, very uh, long. I mean, do, do, the, do, they, do the adults go through kind of like a little firing up? Because I've seen pop ones that are very, very dark, like that one there. I've seen kind of middle in the road, kind of greenish. Yeah. And then I've seen bright green. So, like, do they kind of – does it all depend on when you catch them during the day or something like that? Yep. Yeah. They wow. change color you know, from day to night and, yeah, all the time. Pretty much. You'll never see the same, almost never see the same snakes every time you look into the cage. They're changing all the time. So that's awesome. That's also, yeah, that's also an awesome thing about them, in my opinion. But that yes. snake right there in the picture that was sacked, try and guess how long that is. Because I, I did measurements. It's super, well, super lean. Guess the length. Well, Zach is really short. So I'm going to say four and a half feet. So, 
four and a half feet. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Zach isn't that short. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about, it's like what? It's a, uh, it's got to be close to. 12 footer. Seven foot? 12 footer. Seven footer, yeah. 12? 12? 12, 12 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. That snake was exactly measured to around 12 feet. Wow. Wow. Yeah. They don't, uh, so, so they're not, was, they're the long but not heavy bodied. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a scrub python. Like a scrub python. But these snakes can get huge. Remember, uh, there was uh, like a reptile zoo. Yeah. Not close to me, but, but like a few hours from me. When I was a kid, I went there. I tell you, I'm not kidding. We used to have a, a female there. She was like thick as a grown man's thigh, for sure. And she had like, on her consciousness, she had three males. She ate three males and she was a monster. I just remember wow. the stories about her, yeah. <laughs> she yeah. ate three males? Why did she they keep putting males. males in with her? I mean, like at that point, quit. So... Yeah. And that's also one thing you're going to notice with the Papuan pythons. The species in general in captivity is lacking males. So males are the hard ones to find. And, uh, yeah. That, that's yeah, that's what I'm told. Yeah. yeah. So if you, want to get, if you want to be sure about, you know, having enough males for the female, <laughs> you need at least two or three per female, sure. in my opinion. Yeah. Gotcha. Because shit, shit can go down, and uh, it often does. I was just super lucky, I guess. So. Wow. <laughs> now, yeah. and now, also, he, now the you're old, making... also the old legend, Frank Schofield. Uh, mm-hmm. You probably know him from the inland uh, yeah. carpets. That pole. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's a really, really old school guy. He, he don't keep any snakes anymore. He's like 80, 80-something years. He used to keep them, and he actually wrote an article about them. And his female also ate two or three males. He never succeeded to produce them, but he kept them for a long time as well. And she was a bit of a bitch as well, so she was a male male eater. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> I may have to rethink uh, what I bought. <laughs> I might have to uh, add... <laughs> Add another yeah. male into that group. <laughs> and if you just if you just want one as a pet, they're probably one of the most rewarding pet snakes out there, in my opinion. They really are. Cool. Super nice. It's definitely a species I want to get again at some point. So I just did the like the well, I just brain fought ever and sold them off. That's that's what happens. So. Wow. Well. Yeah. There's always uh, next time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. how it goes, man. No worries. Yeah. Um, but not many people can say they, you know, keep them, let alone bred them, you know. So hats off to you for that, man. Um, Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know this is a little bit of changing gears, but we did get a question that popped up over in our chat, and Casey was asking uh, if you could talk about how you set up your hatchling bowl and I. I actually did a video on that um, on YouTube back then when I set up all the base I got from Frederick. So, mm-hmm. but I was using, um, let me 
I was actually, I was, I never put them into a rack because they were super active during the day. As babies, they were very, very active. So they were climbing around all the time. And Frederick, he kept them in small, like glass tanks, just on ambient heat. And I put them into something a little bigger. Um, okay, so I put them into a thing that was two feet in length, two feet in depth, and two feet in, in you know, in, in height. So like, like a chondro cube kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. A cube cage. Okay. I just, I just uh, started them out on Cypress mode pretty much just to, uh, and back then I didn't, you know, back then I was, a, I was a super noob about them as well. I only kept them for, uh, for a few years before that. And I used, I was one of the guys that used to spray them, you know, like nonstop, like every day. Like really fucking pouring water all over them. And that was, <laughs> I pretty much, I learned fast that, that you shouldn't do that because they don't like it. They didn't appreciate it. <laughs> they hate water. And it's actually pretty funny because Ari has also, you know, they live in conditions that super humid. There's a lot of fog. There's a lot of rain. But every time it rains, Ari says that he found them in like, in deep hollows or like underground, totally dry. So these guys hate the rain. And I've, I've seen adults and babies when I sprayed them, they were like trying to get away. Like, what, a, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, when, when snakes try to escape and they're like, they're trying to run away. Yeah. The, sprint into the, the, the hide you gave them. Like, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. you've seen, you've seen that with, with the with snakes that are afraid like trying to get away oh, from you. Yeah. Quick. So they did that when you sprayed them with water. They actually tried to get away. So, yeah. Really? That's but so I weird. Set, I set the snakes up in, in tubes with cypress mulch. Also, I provided uh, a heat bulb. So no heat tape. And I didn't go with uh, UVB bulbs as well. So none of these... There's a few guys out there that, that says that, yeah, Paul and I should have kept that... Uh, 160 watts bulb uh, with super uh, UV stuff. I don't think that's a good idea, to be honest. So stay that away from provides, that stuff. That provides one super uh, hot, you know, super bad hotspot. They don't like being there. They're yeah. getting burned their ass off there, so they will stay there for like, yeah, a few seconds only. That's that's not what a baby wants. So, just a decent hot spot, not too hot. Actually, around the same temperament, uh, temperature as a, as a popcorn python. Um, okay. I would say as a hot spot. So those uh, that is pretty Celsius. That's 86 Fahrenheit hot spot. Okay. More than that, and then just night turn all heat off. They don't like it that warm all the time, and Maybe you're trying to place them in, in a room where you don't have all your other snakes because they're like this kind of snake that they won't do well in a your normal snake room. So okay. if you keep a few lizards or if you keep some snakes that require a lot of heat, you should put a bowling in there because they don't like it that hot. So that's that's a python you keep in the room for themselves pretty much, if I have to be honest. 
a separate if thing. You're really, if you're really, you know, if you really want to be successful and or try to be successful, I think you should uh, take that into notice. They, uh, they need their own temperatures and you're better okay. down. You know, you're, you're better down with, with, with doing that instead of just place them in your own room. Not saying they will not do fine because they will probably just thrive and eat and, but you'll probably have a hard time like keeping them really, really super healthy doing that. Um, it, it it's interesting because it's like you, you're pretty much describing diamond pythons, but we're talking about yeah. Poland. So it's almost like these, you know, they're all, they're all pretty much the same thing. And you're also almost kind of explaining uh, the white lips. It's like, so it almost seems like these dark bodied snakes kind of all yeah. like the same. They also really, the top one pythons, I think also white lips. I think they're, yeah, no, they're, they're junk. They're not jungle dwellers, but they're not, you know they're not built to be in the in the sun all day long, and they're in that you know dense forest region mm-hmm. where you know there's there's a large amount of of trees there and yeah. you know plants. So they're not absorbing these huge rays all day long. They don't like it. Well, they try I think they're cool. meant to they're meant to heat up and then yeah. conserve their heat, which is why they hate getting sprayed down with water because then they get cold. Yeah. So yeah, they want to they want to get as hot as humanly possible and then run away. So, uh, so I'm, I'm not almost... an expert on Bolin. I I kept them for six years, loved them, kept them super healthy. They had their own room. Uh, everything was going fine with them actually. Uh, so well, also got some breeding activity, but I'm no expert. I, I can I, I will never be an expert on any any snake. I think, but I I like that. I actually like being in Europe. And that's also because I, that's also one of the, the, the other reasons why I went with the, with the, now you're going to hate me a lot right now, Owen, because I, I went with, I bought some boas. So, boas? Oh, don't yeah. start this crap again. Uh, yeah, I mean, fucked up. <laughs> but there's some people out here that don't know the boa thing, and I'm kind of trying to get away from it, but all right. Well, what kind of boas did you get? As a kid, as a, as a kid, I kept a lot of boas strictures and a lot of you know normal. That's boas. fine. But I was never that much into them, so I never bred them, so, and I never kept them correctly. So right. I actually, after I you know went back into the the hobby again after I sold everything off, I was out pretty you know I was back in pretty quick again. But I think I want to try something where I can learn a lot again because I missed the thing about reading a lot of stuff and asking a lot of questions uh-huh. being that being the noob instead of being the guy that spends all the all day long trying to you know answer questions from from other people i wanted to be that person that asked the questions instead of you know answering them so yeah yeah i wanted to try some, something different and i i really think that uh that the boas and and some of the uh Lizards provides me that because I feel like a, a super noob again, and that's I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what kind of boas did you get? So right now I have I have two two species of boas, and I I just have three boas in total. So I got the uh, the annulated tree boas. I got a pair of those. Okay. And I got one Amazon basin tree boa. Okay. 
And I already, you know, I already ordered another basin from uh, the only at Marino. So I'm getting a female for the mail I got in the new year. Okay. Dropped the money, paid for her. Now I just need it to, uh, to get shipped to Europe. And uh, I'm actually also in the middle of trying to get some more annulated tree burrows from uh, Terry. Okay. So That's awesome. Yeah. The, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying with these species and see if I can see if I can figure them out. I, I'm not getting another boa unless it's Sanzinia <laughs> because I got to Sanzinia, play with Matt. Probably the coolest boa out there. They are. The they're they're the they're the most python boa I've ever seen, which is why they're I probably want them. Yeah, so. they're super weird and cryptic looking. They're just jumping the, the everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. I'll, I'm going to be honest with you. I actually also reserved 2.2 Sancinia for New Year. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to hide that one. But all right. So you already reserved yeah. 2.2 Sanzinia. All right. So there we go. We agree on that. The guy, he just needs to, uh, <laughs> to do the side papers and all that stuff. And it takes quite a time. Yeah. It uh, does. And uh, yeah. So I'm waiting for that, and uh, that's okay because I'll not be home around Christmas and until end of January because I'm in Costa Rica. So it, it just suits wow. me perfectly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, that, so I'm actually going, cool. I'm actually going to the wild just to look for annulated tree bros, which is pretty cool. So you, you got the bows, and now you're gonna go track down where they live, so you can kind of just do okay. all that, learn all that stuff. Yeah. Talking about topics about field field trips, I'm actually also just planning a trip to uh, Guatemala to see the uh, Guatemalan beetle lizards uh, in 2018. So that will be Easter holiday. I'll be going there for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, to the Motaco right. Valley, uh, we live. So that's all right. Very so cool. let's let's talk beetles because uh, my friend uh, is. Just he he, had, he just started picking them up and now he's got uh, a breeding trio. Can you talk about how you set up the beaded's, how you care for the beaded's, and uh, how you handle the beaded's? Because that's got to be something that yeah. you got to worry about too. So I don't know how much I can tell you because I'm just, I'm a freaking goop with these venomous lizards and <laughs> it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good when you say them. Nope, that's not. Yeah, not those are name. normally not two words not that we like near each other. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but still, I am. I'm I'm still learning a lot about these guys, and I'm you know, I'm probably not the right guy to ask everything about these guys. But I actually just got like two days ago. I got eggs. No way. Yeah. And um, I got two eggs. From uh, my uh, uh, Chiapas beaded lizards, which are the the all black beaded lizards, yes, uh, that are in the the Chiapas area in Mexi- Mexico, and they also are in the Veracruz uh, region uh, up to Guatemala. So these are the montane species. They got very long arms uh, compared to the other species because they are very they are using a lot of uh, their climbing abilities because they are. They need to get closer to the sun to absorb all the heat. Also, hence their color. 
because they're in a bit of uh, you know mountain area, and um, they're very different. Super cool. So I'm very happy about that. Well, but, I definitely dig the all black ones. I, I yeah, something about that. So nice. So cool. So nice. But actually, people think they're if it, you know when you see a if you if you, uh, if you write uh, the you know the scientific name Heloderma albarisi and uh, Google it, you'll see most of them are looking all black, but that they're actually not all black. Oh really? And most of them are all black for one other because they're super dust because while they cover shit, you know. <laughs> so you don't see their you don't see the natural colors. You don't see how they look. But they have actually got a lot of undertoning pattern underneath that you okay. really can tell when you have them in captivity. And also some of them they have a decent degree of patterning around the tail region. And that's very normal for this uh this species as well. So some of them are all black, but not all of them are. But so, they're really cool. So potentially, if you were to hatch out a clutch, you could have all black ones. You could have some with a little yeah. bit of pattern, and you could have some with yeah. like the undertones of pattern. Yeah, exactly. But they okay. all have this this really rusty color to them that none of the other beetle lizards have, and that's one of the uh, you know ways to to tell them apart. Plus, in most cases. All the tail pattern is gone. Really? Yeah, and all the, in, you know, in every phenotype there is in this species, the the tail pattern is often gone. So even though you got an animal with a little bit of pattern on back, it will probably have all black tail to it. Yeah. That is that is so cool. Yeah. That is awesome. But, but so. I, right now I keep. Uh, I only actually right now I only keep the uh, the Aberresi, but uh, okay. I ordered a bunch of animals from U.S. and uh, they should be here almost any day now. Oh, so, yeah, I'm actually picking up 19 animals. What? No, all right, wait. So you're picking yeah. up 19, 19 beaded, 19 beaded. Yeah. And are these the are these different? Um, yeah, these are the, uh, the the Rio Fuerte. Uh, Rio, Rio Fuerte, okay. Yeah, so these are the the, the most common ones. Okay. These are the ones you see everywhere, pretty much. Um, and those actually used to be like the most sought after. Like when they first came in, they were like hefty price. They were because of the color. People want color. They were, back then, people thought you know the normal horridum was like yeah. that was like boring looking compared to the Rio Fuerte. So, but now they are the most commonly bred and they are probably also the easiest to breed. And that's because they are the most northern ones. So they adapt pretty much, they adapt very well to us, as far as I know, to a, to a cooling period or hibernation, just like the, the Gilas, the Gila monsters. Right. So when, when the, more, the most southern species, like the horde, the southern horde on the, uh, the Oaxaca horridums and the, uh, the Aberresi and of course the Charles Bogarty in Guatemala, they're like closer to the equator. So again, just like with the pythons, they don't have like the, the season going on. So okay. it's, it's, more, it's, it's more difficult to tell when the female is actually building follicles and are ready for mating. Plus oh, wow. the season is way, you know, way late than 
than the exasperadiums and the, the the Gila monsters. So, yeah. W- would you be considering to moving into uh, getting Gila monsters as well, or are you just going to stick with the beaded? Dude, I I just the other day I just bought two two Gila monsters. So that answer is yes. So okay. Yeah, the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely I definitely want. You know, the ultimate would be to have all the species, but that's you know, of course, not possible with uh, the Guatemalan uh, child right. being one of the rarest species in the world with only, you know, fewer than 300 remaining in the wild. So that's, of course, it's impossible. Um, uh, there's actually only two, like, three zoos in the world that got them. And really? I have a super, I have a, I have a, you know, I have a story about, you know, one of the zoos that got them is a Danish zoo, and I know the guy that, you know, keeps keeps them. Okay. Mark. But there, that that's four males, no female. Are you kidding which, me? Uh, yeah. And then we have Atlanta Sioux, and the, actually here in 2017, they got a clutch um, of, I think it was 13 babies, which is a huge success. Yeah. And you got San Diego Sioux as well. So you oh, got these three Sioux uh, working with them, and of course they had a lot of breeding programs. Uh, they got a fenced area at the Motagua Valley where they keep these uh, animals so they can't get poached and whatnot, you know. Um, it's a farm area. It's an area where there's a lot of guys doing crops and, uh, you know, keep farm animals. So that, of course, destroys their habitat, and that's why they need to be fenced so this doesn't happen to their burrows or whatever they wherever they hide and, and are so but uh, people are looking pretty positive uh, I believe that the the actual number of, of specimens in, in the wild is uh, is on the rise so that was the last uh, post I read about it's incredible. So that's pretty cool that's cool. Yeah. yeah so it's, so far it's a, it's a good story for these guys but um yeah so, so what led you to want to get into the beat? I mean, is this something that was always on a list? Always on a list, or new? Not really, not really. And actually, my my very good friend that I did the education stuff with, he got bit by a Gila monster and got a very allergic reaction to it. So oh, I was actually, you know, I was, I was not afraid of them, but you know, they definitely had the respect for sure because he was like, he was in hospital for two days. Oh no, my no God. kidding. He like lost, almost lost his uh, feeling in, in two of his fingers. Uh, he was, you know, he was falling in, up, in and out of consciousness. He was like foaming around his mouth. Jesus. All the nasty ass stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was not, you know, a thing. I when I when I saw that, I just said to myself, I need this stuff in my in my apartment. That was not <laughs> that was not the case at all. <laughs> okay, you didn't even go crazy. Yeah, but I, I don't know. They always, they were always fascinating to me. And um, what I did like about them was, was the fact that I heard that it was super in, inactive. Like they were so boring to keep. They didn't move around. Mm-hmm. Only had to be fit like once every second week. Stuff like that. But then again, that was actually also a, a pretty nice thing. Because you can you can keep a lizard with you know a personality of a lizard. Uh, they're very you know interactive. They're from each other, and you can do that while 
you know, don't have to work with every day just like a monolith. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so that was, that was very intriguing to me. So I just figured this was a route I was uh, definitely going to take. So, but I keep them very simple uh, right now. I keep them in, uh, in cages that are, what are they? They are like four and a half feet long. feet deep and yeah something maybe one and a half foot tall so and I keep them individually and again just like the uh, just like the popcorn pipes actually they they don't like it too hot so I keep them in a room with yeah I keep them in a room that's uh, that's heated with an air conditioner so the temperature will be you know the um, it will never rise above. What is this in Fahrenheit? It will never rise above seventy-eight in the room, never. And with the uh, with the heat spot being around eighty-six, so almost like almost like PowerPoint Python actually. Wow! Wow! <laughs> but with them being more, you know, they don't like it humid at all. They like it very dry. Uh, for a good amount of the the year, so yeah, and they're boring down in the winter, and the, some of them are you know exposed to a little bit of, of not a wet season, but it's a tropical climate. They will there will be see, you know times with with a lot of rain, of course, mm-hmm. even in those areas. But they don't like it wet at all. So I keep them very simple. I keep them on on uh, shavings, aspen shavings with uh, a hide. You know, a cork okay. park height okay. and a water ball, and that's it. So, very, uh, what easy, are you, very, very easy. What are you feeding these guys? Feeding these guys? Just like snakes, just rats and mice, whatever fits their mouth. And they, babies are fed every week, and larger species are fed every second week, pretty much. Wow. Super easy to take care of. You should get one over there. So I, I, I'm working so, on it. I'll get there. They're like, in my opinion, like entry level venomous stuff, really, really easy to take care of. Um, as long as you respect them, of course, have a pair of hex armor gloves on your yeah. side. Yeah, you should be. Well, that's, that's the other thing is you know? that how do you how do you handle them? How do you restrain them? I mean, do you just wear big welding gloves, or is that not going to do it? Yeah. Do you have to pin them, control the head? So I have yet I have yet to have a spe- specimen that's actually aggressive. So I find these guys are pretty you know feisty as babies, um, mm-hmm. but as soon as they reach adulthood, most of them are very calm. Okay. They will maybe puff at you once in a while. Now I'm talking bitter lizards because I've had other experience with the with healing monsters before. They're more like a I would describe them as a small grenade. So you should really be careful. With you know, with healers, they're just so small and compact, so quickly turn around and bite you. Jump around a little bit faster. More, yeah, they're more slowly. They're like larger. They're easy to control. If you grab by the tail, it cannot turn around and bite you. A, a healer monster could do that. So, you know, they're easy to control. But I, I always, uh, every day I work with them, I, I wear a pair of armor gloves. So these... Uh, these guys definitely uh, require some respect because if you get bit, it, it, 
it can really be painful. I heard and watched <laughs> yeah. with my own eyes. So, yeah. So have there been any, uh, I don't want to say uh, fatalities with these guys? Is that something no, you can no, no with? documented fatalities. Uh, okay. I think there were one with, uh, with Gila monsters and it was a very, you know, it was an older man with, uh, I, if I remember correctly, he, he had some, you know, cardio heart, heart condition. Issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his heart condition wasn't perfect. So he was very vulnerable and, and yeah, of course shit went down to a person <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 That, that I don't think you should be handling those yeah. kind of stuff. So now that you've totally plunged into your boa stuff and you've <laughs> totally plunged into your beaded lizard stuff, <clears throat> what's next? Like what, what's, what else are you hunting down? What else are you thinking about adding? What's that thing that keeps you up at night? Right now, what keeps me up at night is just wanting to hatch that one egg. That one beaded egg. egg. <laughs> that one egg. <laughs> that's what's in my dreams right now that's all so, you want just, right now I just want to you know I want to I want to get another pair or maybe two pairs of annulated tree pros just to have a small group yeah. and then just that that snake from Ed Marino the uh, the Amazon Basin get that snake home and yeah I can't wait for that because that's a beautiful snake they are super that's nice awesome. they are yeah. so much easier to take care of than a chondro that's it's just insane these guys are bulletproof compared to Gondros. It's incredible. So you you definitely don't want to. I know you've had uh, tricks and troubles with Gondros in the past. So you're I've, definitely going to move. Okay, so so I actually got Gondros again, like four, My God. three, four months ago. Yeah, but 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 they're already you know they're gone again. <laughs> you already kicked them out. All right. So yeah, but but this was my fourth time trying to keep Gondros. Okay, so uh-huh. the first time I got condos, I was like 13, 13 years old. I bought mm-hmm. two neonates that was clearly wild-caught or whatever, not eating. When right. horrible, they died. Of course, I never got them to feed. It was horrible experience. Then I got them again, kept them under the right conditions, what I thought back then. Mm-hmm. I kept them for a year, and suddenly they just started to drop on me, like out of nothing. Right. Then I tried to keep for the third time. I got a I got a clutch of slugs. Um, female died afterwards. Male got RI a few months months later and died. So that was the third time. And the fourth time I, I bought a pair of Marokis. Yeah. I really liked a male with a super strap. Okay. So there was this was like three months ago. I got them home, and were both breeding bubbles. Oh come on. Yeah. So I, I said, I, did, I, I, I call up the guy and I said, you know, they're not feeding. They're like this, like coming frosting out of it, the mouth of the, the snakes. This, this is, I, I can't do this. So mm-hmm. I'm going to deliver them back to you and you're going to figure this out and send the money back. So, <clears throat> so that happened as well. <laughs> so, and uh, I think that was my, uh, my final call upon the uh, the green tree python the chondro that's my uh, that's apparently that's my uh, my nemesis I, I just can't keep these snakes I don't know what's going on but maybe I've just been super unlucky four times in a row I don't know 
Yeah. 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 It's terrible. Well, maybe <laughs> everybody's got a species they just yeah. they just don't keep. So, you know. Yeah, but, it, but you know, I'm not taking it, you know, as personal because I'm not a bad Red Sox keeper. I know a lot of you mm-hmm. know, successful keepers have had problems in the past with Condro. So I don't feel like I'm especially, I'm very special and super uh, bad keeping these guys. But, yeah. Well, it's, you know, everybody has their thing. So now you're doing the uh, more room for annulated tree boas. So. <laughs> yeah, so, those, those guys are just great. I was just told keep them, don't, don't spray them unless they're in shit. Keep them dry. They'll keep them dry good. and then just do that. Keep them dry. Don't keep them too hot. They will do good. But they take quite some time to get uh, to get into fully uh, reproducing adults. I think it was seven years or something like that, which is, which is you know crazy for a for something that looks like a. Like a hot Alanis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something that looks but like everything else that breeds at four. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Amazon Trebos that breed like at two years of age, and these guys need five more years on top of that. But yeah. again, they're, they they maybe look to the untrained eye, they look like a Amazon Trebo, but they aren't. You, when you get one in your hand, you can just tell at once there's something super different. They're more heavy body built. Their their hips are totally different. They move in a different way. They're not, you know, they're nothing. They're not the same animal at all. And I love, I love Hotelans. They are great animals. I kept them a lot when I was younger and super nice animals. But these are just something different. They're very odd. Very very odd. Like so, them. what 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 got you to want the annulated like was there did you see somebody did somebody kind of just show them to you or was that always something that was kind of in the back of your mind i they were all they have always been in the back of my mind actually i've been looking for them for like the past six years oh jesus yeah it's it it took me six years to track that pair in europe so you know in europe they're super super hot to come by like much, much more scarce in captive con- collections than in the U.S. So it was really an issue for me to uh, to even get some. And uh, yeah, but it was I I became interested in them because I have a I have a very old old school boa book called I can't remember the name but I think it's something called Kaleidoscope yeah something yeah okay. And they were just, they were just in there. Uh, what is it called? Yeah, well, they were in a book. I can't remember the name, but they were in a book, and there was a snake uh, that that said, "This is a Gralus Bloombergi," which okay. another you know that back then was another species of annulated tree bows. Now they are the same species, but back then there was, I think, I believe it was their own species or a subspecies of annulated tree bows. But that was from you know the Ecuadorian uh, region of of where these guys live, and this bow was just incredible looking. You know, it almost reminded me of uh, of emerald tree boa, but you know with but with the colors of a of a nice Amazon tree boa. Like it was so it was super weird looking. So mm-hmm. that just caught my eyes, and and I started researching back then and found out that. 
no way that I'm getting these snakes. So I <laughs> forgot everything about it's them. Never and happening. And yeah. <laughs> now it happened. Yeah, some 12 years later. So yeah, I'm just happy. You got to be psyched about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super. I'm super stoked about them. They're so nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So aside so, from them and everything else, aside from the annulated bows and all that other stuff, anything else? Yeah, also keep. Thinking? I also keep some. Uh, I also keep a Chinese alligator, and I keep a. What? Uh, wait, wait, wait. How the hell are you <laughs> getting all this cool shit? Like, you know, we got to like, you know, oh, there's a Chinese alligator there in the corner. That's not a thing you gloss over. <laughs> you know, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that you definitely don't see in American uh, collections. No. <laughs> I'd have twenty. Are you kidding me? They're like my that's favorite. Like the, the most endangered crocodilian species on the planet in the wild, and it's just so you know wicked just to go to your reptile place and look at it every day. It's uh, it's amazing. But I, I've heard they're so well behaved compared to all the other crocodilians. They really yeah, have a very good disposition. Well behaved, just like American alligators. Like really well, good. I've been chewed on by American yeah. alligators, so I don't really want to go. With, like ah. American alligator, American alligator babies are dickheads, but you know when they get yes. they're pretty manageable. <laughs> um, the, the Chinese are well, but but not towards each other. That's a whole other issue. When it comes to you know reproduction of this species, there's a lot of problems. Yeah. First of all, they need a super cool hibernation that's both cold and humid, but not wet, which is three things that are very very hard to you know do at the same time. So that's the first issue, and then the second issue is they need to be a pair that can't be together because they're compatible. territorial. Yeah, they need to be compatible. Uh, and it's not something that, that you know happens at you know over over the first you know when you introduce them. No no no. They will kill each other and you know at once if you introduce them after uh, hibernation. So these guys need to be hibernated like next to each other with like a metal fence or something in between for like five, six years before they get used to each other. Hmm. And maybe then you have a chance of the female is receptible for the male. And if your hibernation uh, conditions are okay, you maybe have a chance. But it's something that's super, super hard to do. And not many people have done it. Not many people have done it. So... How the hell did you get a Chinese alligator? And, you know, what are you keeping it in? Do you say a bathtub, Casper? I'm going to smack you. So. Yeah, it actually looks something like God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, the old, it's a big, big plastic, like, koi. Uh, yeah. Uh, because, as you, as you probably know, uh, it's, in all crocodilians, uh, the males are a lot larger than females. So, Mm-hmm. With Chinese alligators, the females are very, very small. So my female, she's nine years old, and she's probably not longer than, mm, let's see, she is probably not longer than four feet. 
Wow. Yeah, she's very adult. So these guys, they actually, they're uh, like, the female are fertile after five years of age. They can produce clutches after five years of age, which is also another very weird thing about crocodilians because they often takes 10 years to get mature. So they're very special animals. But I keep, I keep this girl in a, you know, it's very, um, it's my own design. I got, a, I, got a, I got a very nice friend that helped me build it because I'm terrible at building walls, apparently. <laughs> sure. But, uh, <laughs> but she's in a, you know, she could use a, a larger cage. And I have a plan that if I get a male, at some point, I will definitely be building a huge enclosure for them. So that's awesome. Yeah. And it, she was actually one of the only uh, animals that I didn't sell off. I bought her to, uh, for the education purposes of it. And I kept her as the only male, as the only animal from, uh, from that era, if you want to call it that. So that was the reason why I bought her in the first place for education. Right. Purposes. Yeah. And, uh, and I've heard, uh, I know multiple zoos and I know multiple friends of mine that work in zoos that use Chinese alligators for educational purposes. Apparently they are the best for it. So that is awesome. So. Yeah. I mean, my, my female, when I got her, she was super, uh, super calm. I could grab her. She would never uh, be any problem at all. Now she's a psychopath. <laughs> okay. So when, so when I, when I stopped, when I stopped handling her, Joe's, and educations and started just feeding her a lot and put into hibernation and all that stuff, she became insane. So now she's actually pretty hard to work with, but still a lot more calm than any other crocodilian out there, for sure. That's awesome. So she's not hunting you down like, you know, some of the other species would do. But... <laughs> If you grab her, she will try and bite you now. That's true. Wow. Yeah. So, Casper, I have to ask, like, where did you come up with the ideas for building all those uh, enclosures that you've been building over the years? Like, is that is that something that you just learned on your own, or like, how did you are you just gifted that way? <laughs> like, uh, um. So I actually got a lot of help building the enclosures, but I think the thought behind it was that I was pretty not bored because yeah, yeah, you could you can you can call that I was pretty bored of of keeping you know snakes and racks pretty much only snakes gotcha. and racks. So I wanted to do something where I had less animals but much larger enclosures. Um. Because what I really liked was going to zoos and stuff and uh, looking at these fantastic enclosures and, and setups. And they were almost as incredible as the animals itself. And that's what intrigued me to do it because I'm, I really like the creating all this about creating a, you know, a special place mimicking the wild. I think that's incredible. And I think it's also visually appealing for the eye, but also a very good thing with the larger, more intelligent species, if you want to 
you know, reproduce them in, in captivity. I think, especially with the rabbanets, the, the big lizards and stuff like that, I think uh, that's, a, that's a very important key to, uh, to reproducing them in, in captivity. Oh, okay. So, like, they're so yeah. token, they need, need a lot more stuff than just a cage, you know. They need a lot of activity. They need to to feel home and they need to feel secure. And I mean, they're they're super intelligent animals. So for the for the rabbits, the monotrophs, I definitely wanted to build something something nice for them, for sure. That's awesome. You did an awesome job, man. It's really uh, and it's really. But to be honest, to be honest, I was. Building that rock wall, that was probably the most scary thing I've ever done because I put a huge amount of money into that. So when I started with this idea, I didn't know it would run up in that amount at all. I was like, holy crap. This, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, just, I just kept buying cement and, you know, and, and I just kept buying all these things. And I, would, I, would never, I felt like I was never going to get done with this. Just kept going and kept going and kept going and I spent like half six months before I was done on this project. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and what's yeah, and around I think the rock wall was set back like set me set me back like three thousand dollars in total. Holy shit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, but I you're don't gonna think have you need that a rock wall. <laughs> project. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing. So if I if I'm ever moving from this place, how how, <laughs> how would I ever know? What's hey, the, I just ruined the whole house or what? Yeah, rip the wall out. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna have to. Yeah. Or it stays. This will never be a bathroom again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for somebody else. That's somebody. That's you can maybe you can maybe make a, a very decorative Australian outback uh, bathroom style uh, yeah. shit, but. That's the next owner's okay. problem. So, you know, you yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who don't want to, you know, take a crap in the outback anyway? So. I know. Yeah, right. I don't understand. Exactly. <laughs> I don't see the um, problem here. So we got about five minutes left before we get cut off. Wow. Uh, what's what's the future for you, Casper? Like, you know, what 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 are you hoping to do in the next couple of years? In the next couple of years, I hope to do a lot more uh, field trips. So that's where my, uh, I think my, my focus will lie. And of course, trying to breed uh, the, the 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 other species of uh, of. We didn't even get into the lace monitors. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you could talk that about that a little bit. Show, Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, but I want them. Much about them. Yeah. But I'm, you know, as, as just as with the uh, with the with the and the Gila monsters, I'm again with these guys. I'm a noob. No, I don't know yeah. nothing. I'm annoying the shit out of all the Australians uh, people I know because I'm asking the <laughs> same same fucking questions all over again every day. <laughs> blah 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 blah. They must be super annoyed by now, but I just uh, love it so. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I'm so for sure about is they feed a lot, so they eat a lot, and they shit a lot, and it's tons and tons of work. And it was much more work than I ever imagined before I bought them. So, yeah, 
That's so trying awesome, to though. Feed, uh, five lake mothers is uh, almost a full-time job, you know, and they're growing like weeds, and I can't keep up with that. It's it's insane. That's that's yeah. great, though. I mean, that's that because there are species you never. They're like they're 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 whispered about over in the United States. So just for you having a group is awesome. So yeah, but I gotta admit, I, you know, if I didn't if I didn't sold the bull and I actually sold most of the bull and eyes to uh, to a guy in the states, and it was it was it's actually a quite funny story because he, he told me I had them up for sale. Told me so how much for the group, and I just you know, I just. Told him the price, and you know I didn't know the guy. And the Bolina community is, is, is a very small community, so I figured he's just a guy asking for prices. He's he's not aware of, yeah. of the price range here. So I just told him the price, and he said, "Okay, uh, give me a bank uh, account. Give me your bank information, and I'll send the half of the money." I just figured. Holy shit! Uh, and, uh, and, then, and then we were, then, and he said. I'll send the half of the money, and then we'll figure out the, the the shipping issues and whatnot. And I said, okay, you're in the States. Uh, I, I have no idea how to get them to right now, um, but I'll figure it out. But right. if you if you transfer these money, I will not transfer them back because I have other people interested right now that yeah. want some of them. And he was like, okay, that's fine. He transferred half the money and everything. The hell? Yeah. Jeez. So, so, he sent me 10, so he sent me ten grand, uh, just like that. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He just sent me the grand. That was crazy. Yeah. That is insane. So he uh, bought your whole group. Guy, no, he bought he bought uh, how many animals did he buy? So he bought six animals total. Wow. I sold, yeah, I sold the, uh, the rest in Europe so, and bought six animals. So I bought four animals from Frederick and two adults. So now this shit happens. My big adult female, I shipped her through uh, through a guy here in Europe, and he accidentally killed her. Mm, from, no. Yeah. Yes, he killed her from the trip from uh, Germany to uh, Holland. So she died on the way to, yeah. and she was not even shipped off. Call this guy up and tell him all this, this stuff. And uh, as I told him before, we went through all this shit. I said to him, look, I can, I, I can do this, but I don't feel safe uh, doing this because I, I don't like it being out of my control, you know, out of my hands. So, if anything goes wrong, you know, I cannot be of any guilt at all. And he was like, okay, that's fine. So that was, uh, and he was, he was actually pretty cool about it. He was like, oh, that sucked uh, about the big adult female, but wow. That, how, how are you, how can you be cool about that? I'd be like, yeah. I, I'd be, I Again. was. I think I was more furious. More upset, you. yeah. Yeah, because I've I've been raising this animal slowly for like six years, and that was uh, my sorry. favorite of all of them. So I was I was you know, my week was ruined. I, I felt like shit when I, you know, 
got the news about that. So yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, it does suck. Yeah. Wow. But I would never have gotten into if 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 a guy like him never came and you know offered me the money for the ball and I and all that stuff. I would never have the amount of money to get into the the uh, lace monitor at all. So. But they're very cool. They're, they're they are. Cool. They're yeah. very cool. They're croc monitors with stripes. They're awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not as cool. not as not as badass as croc. Not as not as evil. Oh, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Croc monitors, in my opinion, are the holy grail of monitor lists, but they are actually very illegal uh-huh. to in Denmark. So, so that's a no go for me. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Wow. Do you uh do you see yourself getting bowling eye again? Yeah, I see myself getting another just one pair of bowling eye because I really love them and I will possibly also get get other you know, a pair of popcorn pythons. So a pair of each in the future that's not for certain, but hopefully hopefully I'll have room for right. those again. Yeah. Cool. That's Very awesome. cool. Both species cool. are incredible. Really, really nice. I'm looking forward to getting them, man. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. So, and Eric, you'll you'll love them because Bull and I are just the tamest of the team, you know. And when people hold them, see them around them, they'll just get in, you know, they'll get into snakes. That's for sure. Yeah. Every people that I've, you know, handed a bull and I went from being afraid of snakes and a bit worried to absolutely adore snakes. They are really so timid. They are so, so moving. Very, very, very tame animals. Very calm animals. Super nice. Huh. huh. And they're beautiful. Cool. Beautiful animals. Well, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I get them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I told you he got some. You should get one. ASAP. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was talking to him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the exact scenario. Uh, that's all I wanted. <laughs> I'm good so now. Yeah, 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 yelled at us to buy something. Again, 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 or a bull and I. <laughs> I I went with the pop ones because I just figured that they were harder to get. You know. Everybody works in bull and I. Do something else. Yeah. You know, eventually yeah. Keith's gonna breed them, and then I'll just give him my uh, bank uh, card, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, <laughs> be cleaning his snake room forever or whatever I, think, I have to do. I think if uh, I think the first uh, American in a long time bringing them will be Keith. He's really uh, I respect mm-hmm. that man so much. He's super in tune with the animals. He's very. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's so fascinating writing and I'm reading all his uh, long, 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 long texts about them and he's just yeah. you just feel he's just so much into them. So of course he will be the one that breeds them and has the has the good success with them. I bet you know. Yeah, I think he would be the guy for sure. I would agree. So. Cool. All right. Well, we're about to get cut off. So, uh, wow. Those hours went fast, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
this is when it's going to be weird. I'm, I'm not even right. tired this time. Drew got yeah, you're not falling asleep on his roundtable. I was falling asleep. I was so yeah. Because I was well, actually, I was actually falling asleep while doing it. We were like muted every time we said something. We were muted, and then we were like cut. You know, we couldn't say anything, so we, we were just listening to what each other was saying. Mm-hmm. And I was falling asleep. Between. <laughs> yeah, that was I know was terrible. <laughs> That's Round why tables can be rough. That was That's why we had to do it earlier for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was just so That's why we're trying to do guys in Italy, all the people. Uh, I just love being in the US. And uh, I love you guys a lot. I love listening to your shows, and it's incredible. It's been so many years listening to every each and every show. I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours listening to all this. And, man, I don't feel I wasted one minute at all. It's been uh, it's been great following up with you guys and I get to know you even better and I hope to see you very soon again. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, definitely. A, a friendship for many years to come from now. Absolutely, Always, buddy. We, we definitely want to see you again and we can't wait to see you for uh, Tinley. We're going to try to do another round table. We're going to have it live at Tinley this time. So of wow. course you'll be involved somewhere. So. That's perfect. Definitely. Alcohol yeah. and and podcast. Oh yeah, it'll uh, go nuts. It won't go well. <laughs> I, I will not. Yeah, no one ever says it's gonna be a great episode. It's just gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it was when we uh, won. Crazy. <laughs> good times, man. Good times. Yeah, good times. All right. Definitely good times. So thanks a lot for uh, for uh, yeah letting me in again. And uh, literally talk a lot of crap uh, with a with a crappy Danish accent just for two hours in a, in a straight. So. I dig the accent, yeah. man. I, I like the accent. Um, <laughs> sounds like, Eric, we sounds not, a lot better than my Philly accent. You know what I mean? Eric, we do not have time for you to fall in love with Casper right now. Okay, we got to close out the show. Okay? Yeah, true. <laughs> I'm true sorry. Story. I know. <laughs> oh man, Casper, okay, you're welcome uh, back anytime, you, man. Anytime. I'll definitely come for carpet fest this time. I think definitely, please. Uh, All right, cool. I will. Yeah, you gotta you gotta come sit, check out the rock pythons and the ring pythons and the poplin oh, pythons yeah. and the luckins oh, and the Calaharas. Oh, Calaharas. Am I right? The Calaharas are just like they're like a camo looking pattern. They're just like amazing. They're almost like they will fall right in with if you laid on a, a pair of uh, old school camo jeans. They yes. will blend right in. They're so amazing. I love the looks. Fantastic yes. animals. Look yeah. forward to see those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll go to bed now, now, guys. So, but thanks a lot for uh, for having me in. Absolutely, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So, uh, Definitely. All right. We'll talk yeah, to you guys, right? Yeah. See you guys soon. All right. Bye. All right, have man. a good one. See you. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, tons of stuff. I love that dude, man. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's so cool. Very, very good guy. And, and, but, I, but I hate him because he also is like, oh, yeah, over there's the Chinese alligator. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell like, do you sure. have over there? Oh, you, yeah. you don't have one of these? Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <It's> like, <you laughs> <know>. <laughs> oh, 
but he's got such cool stuff and he's so passionate about the stuff he's got and and he drags you in like the problem right now I have is I'm like you want poplins, don't you? Shut up. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. No. I know it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I resist. <laughs> but it's uh, just like, I'm like, I wonder how long it's going to take after Eric gets him for me to play with one of them. And then be like, all right, this has to happen. Cause you have to come to my house next Tuesday, man. Next I will Tuesday, try. I will try to. <laughs> and you will be like, what the hell, man? What the hell is this? <laughs> so. Uh, damn it. Yep. Yeah. Cool stuff. You see, this is a very uh, dangerous time for my collection because everybody's going to be in each other's cages. So I'm going to look around and be like, I got fucking room for everything. And that's a bad point because then oh. whenever, then comes springtime, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I can't put you back in your cage. Somebody else is in it. So that's not <laughs> – yeah, it's dangerous. That's not good. Um, no. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just I'm loving the 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 direction that I'm going in. I'm I'm so pumped, man. I, I I spend I don't even go on Facebook anymore. Very rarely, I'm in my you know what I mean. Like I'm just in yeah, my in snake room. room. I'm yeah. checking out my snakes. And it's just it's just like when I was younger, man. So for people out there, I mean, if there's something that you want to get into or some kind of goal that you have when it comes to keeping reptiles, man, just do it, you know, figure out what makes the, how to make it happen. You don't have to have the flashiest morph or, you know, the newest combo or whatever, Uh, you know, just do what you want to do, man. You don't, you don't Mm -hmm. need that stuff to fit into, uh, you know, the reptile community. I mean, you know, I, I've just been meeting all these people that, I don't even know. Like I, I just met them on accident, looking for these species. And they got the stuff. Yeah, they're breeding them in there. You know, it's just like, holy shit, man! Like this, this is, this is a shame that more people don't know about. Um, yeah. About these these people, but you know, I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just excited. My my passion's at about a twelve. You know what I mean? So. Oh, oh god! Oh god! Good. Damn. <laughs> Uh, so, and we're going into breeding season and I'm just thinking like, you know, we were talking about the other day, but like six years from now, <laughs> yeah, I know it sounds mm-hmm. like so far away, but it'll be, great. it'll be here before you know it. And like all these different species that I'm going to have the opportunity to breed is just going to be, uh, pretty and that's, fabulous. And that's the thing is, you, people don't maybe not want to take a chance at one of these species because they're like, it's going to take six, seven years. So what they do is they screw around and keep buying these adult wild costs, this and this, that, and the other thing. Spend the money, get the tiny captives, do it right, and in six, seven years, which will fly, you'll be on top of it, and you'll have the the, the project you've always wanted. So, yeah. so and, and you know, we were talking about it uh, a little bit the other day. It was like, you know, not chasing the newest mm-hmm. morph and all that stuff. And like, I don't you know, care anymore. Like, who cares, man? <laughs> Who cares? I, I mean, it's with, cool. I left alone with my snakes. <laughs> so. That stuff is cool, man, but I don't give a shit what you're doing, man. I don't care what you're making and, you know, post up a picture if it's cool, cool, man, yeah. you know, but like I'm worried about what, what I'm doing. And I think yeah. if more people did that, they would probably have maybe better success with their, uh, with the reptiles, you know, but yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's how, yeah, like, uh, 
two minutes like to close that. this thing out. You got like two minutes yeah. to close this thing out. Yeah. All right. I got to stop rambling. Uh, yes. Next week, we're going to be talking. Uh, actually, we got retics lined up. Uh, we're talking with Ryan from the Ivory Connection uh, from Texas. Right. Um, so, and uh, I just have to throw a, a little shout out. Um, uh, from the Ground Up podcast, uh, had our good friend Bill uh, <laughs> from, on the other day. And uh, he, he, they did a good, they do a good job, man. Uh, you know, so if you're into reptile podcast, uh, go check those guys out from the ground up. I think uh, it might be Port City Pythons on YouTube, but okay. uh, yeah, you know Somebody they do like a us. yeah they they do like a video why they uh, do a podcast as well. So there's like a video you can watch it on YouTube, I guess, and then. We're too ugly for that shit, man. No, 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 We got a face for just podcasts. Yeah, no, like they, like the Triple B TV has not yet put our episode up because he's really debating about it. He's not sure if he can. Yeah. So you know, there's that. Yeah. Oh dear God. Yeah. I keep I keep waiting to see that and be like. I don't want to see it. I told you I don't want to see it. I want to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Look, I keep I keep checking out of horror, but no. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, awesome. Um, for us, MoreyPythonRadio.com. Info at MoreyPythonRadio is the email. Um, for myself, EBMorelia.com. And my email is Eric at EBMorelia. So, that's all I cool. got. For me, it's Rogue Dash Reptiles. You can also go to Rogue Reptiles at Facebook.com. If you are attending the Oaks, Pennsylvania Reptile Show, I will be there and can deliver babies to that show. I don't have any other shows scheduled except for the December Hamburg Show. That's all we got for everybody tonight. Uh, Thank you for listening. We're going to catch everybody back here next week week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night. Three seconds to spare.